Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of Lit AF with me, your host, Sarah Cohan. I am a relationship coach, attachment coach, and I help people with communication in relationships and end just old patterns that seem to just crop up in relationships for a lot of people. And this podcast is really dedicated to talking about attachment styles because attachment styles can help us understand why it is we relate to the people that we do, why it is we react the way that we do to certain people, and how we can make strides, take the leap, become earned secure. Earned secure is not necessarily the final destination. It is the journey along the way. It's totally possible for you to change your attachment style. And I'm excited because in this, the next four episodes of the podcast, what I'm going to do is break down just really super common patterns for each attachment style. And I really hope that this series can help you understand the really like common patterns for your attachment type. Before I get into it, as always, I have my check-in. And this week, I'm actually recording in Ensenada, Mexico. <laughs> it is... Oh my God. I've just been having the best week. It's my birthday weekend. I went out wine tasting with some friends yesterday. I watched them taste wine. I got to drink bubbly water. It was phenomenal. I just had such a blast. I'm here with family it's like, mm, I love vacation and I love Mexico for many reasons. But one reason is just the like constant discovery, like constantly seeing new things, learning new things, trying new things. This week has been a week of eating delicious food. I don't know if that's like what happens when you get older, when you travel or like when you're sober and you travel. The food to me is like the most fun part. <laughs> I will say, in the beginning of the trip, we went to Costco in Ensenada just for funsies because I wanted... My friend told me that different Costco's actually have different like offerings. And so I wanted to see how different Costco in Mexico was. And it's very different. We got some delicious arachera taco meat. We've been barbecuing all week. Okay, I'm going to stop talking about food, but let me tell you, it's just been... So fun. I've just really been enjoying it. <laughs> so that's my check-in for this week. Before I get started on this series, what I want to do is just kind of explain a few things about attachment style in case this is your first time learning about it. So your attachment style is basically something that you learned in your childhood and you learn this from your caregivers. And so whenever I'm talking about attachment style with people, what I would like to tell them is that you're not responsible at all for the creation of your attachment style. But now as an adult, it is your responsibility to heal it. No one else can heal it for you. And we are oftentimes multiple attachment styles. So I like to look at attachment styles as a spectrum and notice how you can be a little bit more anxious, preoccupied in one area, dismissive, avoidant in the other area, earn secure or just secure in different parts of your life because we truly are part of each of the different attachment styles. And so I like to think about it that way because oftentimes we can get stuck in one area 
And the way that I have seen this is that's just like not true. It's really interesting too, when you start to break down the different attachment styles, like anxious preoccupieds can be avoidant in certain areas. Avoidance can be really anxious in other areas. So it's a system that helps you understand di- the different parts of your life and really look at it as like, oh, I'm kind of, I lean this way and I can also have parts of this. And it's really not trying to put you in a hole. <laughs> that is not at all what this point, the point of this is. It's trying to educate you so you can understand strategies that you've used in the past in order to use new strategies. So this is all about like empowering yourself to start to show up in a different way. And truly what I believe is that understanding where we're coming from can actually help us start to make change in our lives. Changing my attachment style has been the most powerful way that I have made change in my own life. It's, I mean, I show up confidently. I show up honestly. I show up authentically. I'm sharing things that I never thought I would be able to share with people. I mean, it's truly a really powerful tool. So that's why I became an attachment coach. And that's why I want to share this series with you. So I want to also also give credit to where I'm getting this information. So I'm actually a certified attachment coach from the Personal Development School. And the information that I'm going to share today is all from the Personal Development School. They have a phenomenal program. I often will teach clients that are doing the personal development school in tandem with my work. So I really want to credit them for the work, Thais Gibson in particular, for the the work that they have done in this field. It's it's just an amazing, an amazing place. And I'm honored to be able to share insights from them with you today. So today, what I'm going to really hone in on is the fearful avoiding attachment style. And the reason I wanted to start there is that that is the attachment style that I grew up with. So this attachment style, oftentimes the patterns that they're dealing with in relationship is they're really afraid of betrayal. And I remember at first when I heard that, I was like, no, I'm not. And then I thought about it and I was like, oh, it runs so deep. And like, I wasn't even really thinking about it. I wasn't even conscious of it. So I'm going to get into all the different needs, the common emotions that they experience, expectations that they have in relationship. And then I'm going to also pull in a little bit of work from Jessica Fern as well. Okay. So common characteristics of the fearful avoidant attachment type. They're often very present when meeting new people. They're very charming. People like them. They show up, like, like especially when people are dating or meeting new friends, they can show up really like but not bubbly, but very warm, present, and fun to be around. They're great listeners, but here's the deal. They often run hypervigilant. So hypervigilant is a term that's used to describe the way that you show up when you're really focused on the behavior of other people around you, the behavior, the feelings, the emotions, the, the like what other people are doing around you and really tuning into them to understand whether or not you're safe in, in any situation. So if someone walks in a room and you notice that you're like totally attuned to them, you're just like, what's going on with you? How are you showing up? What, how are you saying the words that you're saying? What are the movements that you're doing? What am I learning? Like, what can I pick up from this? 
that is when that is hypervigilance. Like you're really focused on the other person. You're not necessarily attuning to yourself. And oftentimes this can result in people pleasing. So I'm going to get to people pleasing in just a little bit. But another common characteristic of the fearful avoidant is that they run hot and cold and close relationships. So one foot on the gas, one foot on the brake. Like there's a lot of different ways to say this. They can really want the way that I've seen it for myself is I really want a relationship. I'm so excited about it. And then as soon as I have it, like as soon as my husband, when we were first starting to get together and he moved in, I was like, oh no, this isn't safe. Like I'm going to need my alone time. I remember like straight up having a really intense conversation with him like four days after he moved in because I wasn't getting enough alone time. And I was just like, hey, this isn't working for me. I'm going to need a lot more alone time. You need to make space for that. Like... (laughs) It was not in a generous way either. It was very much like a lecturing way. (laughs) Um, This was long before I figured out about attachment style. But looking back, I can see now how I was literally like hot and cold. Like, come move in with me. And then as soon as you moved in, this isn't working for me. I need you to show up in a different way. Like, make this work for me. A lot of times, I want to just add a little bit from Jessica Fern here and her work in PolySecure. She talks a lot about how Fearful avoidance can have an internal and external baseline of chaos. So I love this because I really, really resonated with this. And I've, I've heard other fearful avoidance say this as well, is that when when you're reading about fearful avoidance, if you've done like some more research or if you've listened to a little, a little bit more about it, they often talk about fearful avoidance as like just being like externally chaotic. And that wasn't necessarily the truth for me. Honestly, like my chaos like baseline was really internal. So internally, I was like freaking out at work, didn't feel safe, was super hyper vigilant of everybody around me, especially my boss. But it was all inside. I wasn't sharing with that with anyone that didn't feel safe to share with others. Like it was chaotic inside. I was angry all the time. I was really anxious all the time. But no, I never thought that. Like everyone would describe me as quote unquote, cool as a cucumber. So, which, you know, looking back, I'm like, I used to love that. And now I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to come off as chill anymore. (laughs) That also might just be me being a mom, but that's, you know, a different story. But this attachment style can often deal with external and internal levels of chaos. So I, I really want to share that because that might resonate a little bit more with you and help you understand what's going on inside of you. Ooh, this is one of my favorite characteristics. They can be literally black and white, all or nothing. They can really often operate from beliefs and stories rather than truths or facts. They can also be really nurturing, resilient, and headstrong. I love that. You know what? This is my favorite attachment type. We're all all the attachment types are amazing. I resonate with all of them. I I lean different ways at certain times in certain areas. But fearful avoidant, you're my favorite. Okay. Biggest core wounds. So core wounds is core wounds are just like wounds that we picked up in childhood. There are areas in our life where we really have more to learn about and more to heal. And we let's just we we all we all have them. This isn't something that's like unique to you or special about you. You know, it's just something that we picked up during childhood that is a story and it's usually from our caregivers. And it's a deep wound that really just needs a little bit of healing. So their biggest core wound is being betrayed. And the reason that they feel they have this wound is that they couldn't trust their caregivers growing up. Maybe there was, I mean, they they just grew up with a lot of chaos in the home. And with this, like maybe 
your caregiver was just like totally unreliable. Maybe there was some addiction or something like that. Like something where you just couldn't trust how they were going to react. For me, it was a lot of mental health issues, unchecked mental health issues. And I just never meant that I never knew how I was going to, you know, my parent was going to react. And it led to a lot of hypervigilance, a lot of codependency. And it meant that I have this core wound of being betrayed. Interestingly enough, being betrayed, I, you know, I really like dug as far into this core wound as I possibly could to the point where now I have to say it doesn't really show up anymore, which is kind of amazing. So I say that because my worst fears have come true in, in like with cheating and things like that. And I've worked through them and I have to say there's some like real safety and healing on the other side. So if this is like what's going on in your brain and you're just thinking like, no, it's fact, this is true. Like there are some huge lessons for you here. And I guarantee (laughs) that you can work through this. This is not like, you're not completely defective. Like you, there are ways to work through this. Other core wounds, I am unsafe. That's a really common dismissive avoidant characteristic. I'm unworthy. I'm bad. I will be abandoned. I'm trapped. I'm trapped is a really big one. A lot of emotional patterns that they have are being angry, hurt, frustrated, overwhelmed, pressured, guilty, ashamed, anxious, and offended. So anger, honestly, was my big one. Anger was like, oh, man, I would go to anger a lot. I still do. I still do. And I really have had to learn, especially in motherhood, I've had to learn how to work with anger. It's a special emotion. It's really strong. It can be really scary and we're not necessarily taught how to allow it in and really like display it in a healthy way. So that's been my work this year. Very exciting. But I want you to think about like when you are triggered, when shit's hitting the fan, what's your natural emotion that you go to? If it's anger, this could be an attachment style for you to start to learn about, to start to heal. Big fears, being betrayed, like I said, feeling unworthy, feeling trapped. Yeah, we've talked about all of these. Their relationship to boundaries is tough, right? Because they often go to people-pleasing as a response, as a trigger response. So I really want to frame this in a way. I, I took this really interesting training, somatic experiencing training. And the teacher, Francine Kelly, who's just amazing, talked about how she really feels for people pleasers because people sometimes like judge people pleasers. Like, oh, you're just people pleasing. Like, why don't you know better? And I'm here to fucking tell you, you don't know better. You, you learned how to be a people pleaser from childhood. That was your environment. You were really trying to stay safe. Your brain was resorting to people-pleasing as the way to stay as safe as possible, which I think is super smart. And now that you're realizing like, oh, this is like a trauma response, now you can say, okay, there's a different way to show up and I'm going to start to take the steps to learn how to not to people-please. But please, like, do not get down on yourself or judge yourself at all for people-pleasing because that is straight up a trauma response. Just like fawning, freezing. Sorry, fawning is people-pleasing, but freeze, fight, fight, flight, freeze. You might have heard of these. They're trauma responses in, you know, scary situations. Not even scary situations, just like tough situations. And so 
fawning really is another trauma response. And so people pleasing is just a way to stay safe. Okay, I'm going to get off my soapbox about that. But so they oftentimes will really struggle with setting boundaries and will do it when they feel like they've been taken advantage of because this is one of their like core wounds. And then they'll lash out, feel guilty about setting a boundary. Hello, I've been there so many times. And then they go back to people-pleasing, overgiving in order to kind of go back to baseline. So and they might feel like they're good at setting boundaries, but when you really look at it, it's like, oh, actually, it's kind of more of a reactionary thing. It's not consistent. It's not from an empowered place. Their needs, oh, learning, learning, growth, growth, high, high, high need for growth. If you're fearful avoidant and you're not already really taking the steps to start to learn how to heal how to just like do things in your life. Like this can be a really strong area for you to start to grow because learning and growth is just such a high need for the fearful avoidant. They also want to feel seen and heard, feel connected, understood by others, being able to express their opinions and feel emotionally connected. So oftentimes with this attachment type, you can see how like the difference between the fearful avoidant and dismissive avoidant is that emotional connection. So these are my favorite common expectations for relationships. You might be a fearful avoidant if you think nobody should ever break your trust. This was like, oh my God. When I finally accepted this, that's when I was like, I really see here where I'm showing up fearful avoidant. So this means like trust, not just in like a romantic relationship and like physical physical promises being broken or something like that. This is like, if someone is acting in a way that they said that they wouldn't, that is breaking your trust. Anything that's not congruent with what they said they're going to do is going to break your trust. No lying ever. This attachment type really struggles with not telling the truth. They really believe that their partner should be as generous as they are. And also that their partner should respect their need for alone time slash independence. So, oh, this is another fun one. They think that they should, their partner should always make them feel wanted. I didn't realize how badly I was relying on my partner for this until I started to heal my attachment style. So I didn't realize like I needed him to want me. And when he wasn't outwardly effusively showing me that he wanted me. And let me tell you, I picked a partner that is constantly telling me he wants me. Like little, like a little high five to, you know, seven years ago, Sarah, that was like, I'm going to choose this partner. Like I was actually getting this need met of feeling wanted constantly. But whenever he doesn't make me feel wanted, then all of a sudden I'm like this, you know, I question everything. (laughs) Then I start to have doubt and I would start to act out and try to pick a fight or just get attention from him, him in order to make me feel wanted again. Now, since healing my attachment style, I start to make myself feel wanted I do my own, I use my own tools. I use my own exercises when I'm feeling not unwanted or left out. That's when I go to this work and I start to feel like, okay, where am I wanted? How am I wanted? How, where can I show myself that I'm wanted? So that I'm not relying on him to share, to make me feel wanted. 
I hope that's really clear because that is the work. That is like what this healing work is, is meeting your needs on these on your own, recognizing what they are, meeting them on your own so that you don't necessarily need other people in your relationships to make you feel that way. All of a sudden, and I don't want you to think that you don't need anyone. No, 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 no. That's not the point of this work. The point of this work is to be able to be like self-regulating so that you can co-regulate with others and you can help other, like other people will help you regulate. Like they, you can allow their support in to help you regulate as well. So it's not about being hyper-independent. It's not about not needing anybody, but it is about being able to meet your needs on your own so that you can start to allow others to help you meet your needs as well. It's really like this beautiful dance. And I, I hope that that makes sense. Okay, on feeling wanted. So I'm just going to go back from these notes from the personal development school and see what I'm missing. Oh yeah, here's a big one. So their partner sh- the partner should be faithful in thoughts, emotions, opinions, and actions. And when I read faithful, like yes, faithful for the relationship, like not cheating on them, not interested in other people. When I look back on my relationship, I can see so many areas where I was just very... Con- suspicious. What's the word? Not hypervigilant. I think we'll stick with suspicious, but like constantly being on the lookout, like, is my husband trying to go like be with someone else right now? (laughs) Oh my God. It's so tough. It's so tough. And then this also can mean to me, it's also like when we're in a conversation and I don't feel like he's a hundred percent supportive of me. So anytime that happens, I'll start to like, again, just kind of act out or question everything, go again to that black or white thinking that I mentioned earlier. (laughs) So those are the main characteristics. Oh, this is what I missed, behavioral coping mechanisms. So testing and testing, let's be real, testing is just another way to like catch people not being congruous with what they said they're going to do. And it's almost setting them up for failure, which is a really interesting concept if you think about it. So you're testing people to make sure that they are faithful in every part of their life. And then when they're not, you get upset. It's really tough. It's a, it's like a, a circular thing. Withdrawing to decompress, like that independence that I was talking about, stonewalling and spitefulness, they can exhibit that as well as criticism. They can speak really bluntly and that can cut off very critical. Fight, flight, freeze, and fawning. Fawning, like I mentioned earlier, is that people-pleasing response. And then they can really resort to like overconsumption of things. So TV, food, gambling, just any sort of substances, that type of thing. Okay, so I think I'm going to leave it there. That's the fearful avoidant in a nutshell. That's the common patterns that they exhibit in relationships, in their emotions, in their habits, in their coping mechanisms. And the best news is for you is that these are just outdated strategies that you learned in your childhood. And honestly, it was your brain trying to be as safe as possible. It was your brain trying to fit in as much as possible. And now that you're an adult and ideally in a different situation, it's time to input some new strategies. So if you want to start to heal your attachment style, come find me. I'd love to talk with you. You can book a free discovery call. In this call, you are going to learn what is possible for you and your unique attachment type to start to heal. I will tell you what is possible in the next six months. It's so empowering. It's so unique and personal. And I would just love to talk with you and learn what's going on in your life. So if you're interested in doing that, 
book a free discovery call. It's You can book it at sarahcohan.com forward slash coaching. That's S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N.com forward slash coaching. And so from there, you can book a calendar meeting. It's free. It's so fun. I can't wait to talk to you. And next week, I'm going to be back here talking about common patterns for the dismissive avoidant. Cannot wait. All right. I hope you have a wonderful week. Mwah. 